Good morning. Great to see all of you here this morning. For those of you watching on New City Live from wherever you are, maybe someplace warm, we're grateful to be joining you this way today. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to encourage you to open to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be finishing our series, our teaching through the book of Ephesians. This is the 20th part of the series, if you've been uh, following along with us. And if you've missed any of them, I want to encourage you to go online. We've got a study guide for each of the messages as we've been walking through the book together. By the, name, by the way, my name is Chris, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm grateful to share God's word uh, with you this morning. I want to uh, kick off the, um, the message this morning, the final installment of the series, actually with a verse from another letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, he wrote these words. He said, uh, we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. And I just want to start here this morning because as we finish uh, Ephesians, uh, it's been such a joy uh, to journey through this book with you. And a big part of what we do when we gather together like this on the weekend as a church is, is come around the word of God, open up the scriptures every weekend and learn together. And I just want to encourage you, uh, based on the words of Paul to the church at Thessalonica, that it's the truth of God. It's not the words of, of any one person. Um, it's the truth of God, and it's effective to change those of us who believe. Um, so as we gather together and we listen to the scriptures read, we, we take notes, we engage it, God's doing something inside of us. And I just want to say I'm so grateful uh, that you're a church that receives God's word with gladness and is joyful to study God's word. And it's been, a, a, again, a joy to walk through this book. And just to give a little bit of a preview of what's to come this summer, next week we're starting a series on prayer. Typically in the summers, we do kind of a pastoral uh, message series where we just cover something pastorally that we feel like we need to engage in as a church. And this summer it's gonna be prayer. Um, so the next two months we'll be teaching through uh, prayer together. I want to encourage you to engage and be here when you're in town and when you're not to, to watch online. And then in August, we're going to do a series on the Great Commission. Um, recent surveys have told us that people who attend church regularly, uh, of people who attend church regularly, uh, evangelical churches, only 17% of people who attend church regularly know the Great Commission. And I don't mean word by word like memorized, I mean even know what the Great Commission is. And yet it was the final command that Jesus gave to his people uh, to follow, the mission of the church. So we're going to come around that in August. And then if you want to read ahead this summer, um, read the book of Judges, because we're going to be doing a long study of Judges in the fall um, together as a church, and we'll, we'll look forward to that. All right, so today uh, our passage is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24, the final verses uh, in the letter. And if you're able, I want to encourage you to, to stand to your feet, and we'll just give attention to God's word this morning. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24, the word of God to you today. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how I'm doing and to encourage you. Verse 23, peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God to you today. You can be seated. Thank you. Um, I, don't, I don't like goodbyes. Do you like goodbyes? I don't like goodbyes. I never have. Um, sometimes when I would travel internationally and be gone for long stretches of time or, or go to a school or on a tour with the Air Force, I would uh, kiss everybody in our house. Um, just, just people I knew. Um, kind of throughout the day and then slip out uh, without a big, a big thing. Um, but I can even like right now think about pulling out of the driveway and backing out of our driveway and seeing, seeing little faces and, uh, and just feeling that feeling in your, in your gut of goodbye. What's that feel like for you? Do, you? do you remember a goodbye in your life? Something stick out to you even now? And what do you feel even in this moment when you hear that word goodbye? Paul is saying goodbye with the passage that you just heard today, Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. This is, this is his goodbye. And I wanna teach on this because actually, I think he models for us who follow Jesus and love Jesus, how to say goodbye. And did you know that Christians say goodbye differently? The way we say goodbye to each other is actually a blessing. And the way that Paul begins his goodbye here in Ephesians chapter six as he concludes his letter to this church that he loves so much that he, that he planted with a team of people and the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 19 that all of Asia, modern day Turkey, heard the gospel through this church, Ephesus. Incredible. And as Paul begins to say goodbye here to the church, he opens up in verses 21 and 22 by modeling for us how we say goodbye as Christians to one another. There's lots of uh, goodbyes and endings in our life. And the, the way Paul begins that is by not talking about himself. Look at verse 21 with me. Uh, he opens up his goodbye by talking about other people. And the first person that he talks about here in verse 21 is a man named Tychicus. Now, how many of you know someone in your life named Tychicus? I wanna see you afterwards, right? <laughs> Can you imagine looking at your little baby and being like, you look like a Tychicus. I'll give you Tychicus. But he overcame his name and became this incredible, incredible man. I'm, I'm, forgive me, Tychicus, when we get to heaven. Look forward to meeting you. And Paul begins his goodbye here. And I think it's like a great model for us as we have to say goodbye in this, in this life. Um, he begins by putting the focus on other people. And he starts with this man named Tychicus. Now, what do we know about him even from this verse here, verse 21? We know that he was what? Two things. He's a beloved brother. So he's a part of the family of God. And what else was he? Paul, Paul lets the church at Ephesus know. He's a faithful helper. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Paul wrote half the New Testament, okay? Most of them being letters to churches that he helped to establish. Um, and he is not given to flattery of other people. If you've read Paul's uh, letters and writings, he's an, he's an encourager, he's a great teacher but he's, he's not given to flattery of other people. In fact, he doesn't suffer uh, fools lightly. And even those who he doesn't deem to be, you know, uh, enthusiastic enough about the, the, the work of the, the, the church, he's even willing to, uh, to part with them. Uh, Barnabas and John Mark, and some of you remember that situation. It, I, I bring that up because of the words that he uses here about Tychicus. 
And he wants us to know he's a beloved brother. And he also wants the church at Ephesus to know that he's a faithful helper. He's a, a minister of the word of God, which is where the word minister comes from, a, a faithful worker and helper in God's work. Now, Tychicus was an Ephesian. So he's from Ephesus. Uh, he probably, if you're taking some notes here, again, just Paul putting focus on other people in the beginning of his goodbye, he probably was someone who, um, you know, came up in the Lord during the work of the church in Ephesus. In other words, uh, Tychicus represents the fruit of Paul's labor in Ephesus. If you go back and study his missionary journeys, Paul's missionary journeys, he was in Ephesus for almost three years, longer than any other place where he established churches. And uh, so there was a lot of fruit from his uh, labor there, his team's labor, and Tychicus represented some of that fruit. Someone who was discipled and learned uh, how to follow Jesus in every area of their lives. And, and he began uh, to follow Paul different places and, and join the journey with him. But I wanna just highlight th those two things really quickly because what an amazing thing to be said about each of us at the end of our lives, that we're a beloved sister or brother in the family of God and that we were a faithful helper to the mission of God. A you know, lot, lot of things that could be said about you, but I'm not sure that, that there could be two greater things that are said about a follower of Jesus, that they were loved by God and by the people of God and they were faithful to the mission of God. And Paul wants to make it clear that this man, Tychicus, more than anything else, more than his bank account, his business, any other accolades, um, that really the greatest blessing you could give is that you were loved by God and you were faithful to his purposes. And we also learn here, um, we learn all throughout the book, but we learn here as Paul says goodbye and puts the attention on other people that Paul always worked with a team. It was never just about him. In fact, uh, the personal pronoun that's used, if you skip ahead to verse 23, says we. We want you to know how we're doing. Uh, he wants to make it about the team. He always worked with the team. Whenever he traveled, he planted churches, he, he preached. Whenever he was imprisoned, we read about him with other people, and he includes other people in the narrative of his work. So Tychicus and Titus and Timothy and Silas and Barnabas and Priscilla and Aquila and so many other people that are unnamed in the scriptures that were a part of Paul's uh, missionary teams. And Paul wants to make it about the team and about other people. And we learn that here as he says goodbye, he's putting the focus on other people. Again, Tychicus represented fruit of Paul's labor while he was in Ephesus. He was somebody that probably either came to know the Lord or was discipled under his ministry there and then joins the team, which is, which is such a wonderful thing to see, just reproduction of the church and people multiplying their faith to other other people and disciples making disciples, which is the mission of the church. Uh, by the way, when we get to August and talk about the Great Commission, our command, our mission from our great commander, Jesus, is to go and make disciples. And you can't go and make a disciple unless you are what? Unless you're a disciple. And many people say you're not a fully formed disciple until you begin to make a disciple. And we see the fruit of Paul's labor here and the model of ministry for the church is to make disciples. We become disciples, follow Jesus passionately, and then we help other people to find and follow Jesus passionately. So when Tychicus brings this letter, he travels from Rome. Remember in the context, if you're taking notes, Paul's imprisoned in Rome. 
And just uh, to say about that, he had gone back to Jerusalem to take the offering that he had collected. He's promptly arrested by the Jews. He spends two years in Caesarea under um, house arrest. Then he claims his right as a Roman citizen. Remember, Paul was a Roman citizen uh, to stand before the emperor and make his case before the emperor. And so Rome actually uh, protects him from the Jews who wanted to kill him. And Rome finances his fourth missionary journey uh, to Rome to stand before the emperor. Paul always wanted to go to Rome, the center of the, the known world then, and preach the gospel. And uh, in God's sovereignty, the Romans actually paid for the trip uh, to take him from Caesarea uh, to Rome, where he was imprisoned and eventually executed. And he writes a lot of letters and does a lot of ministry from Rome. So in that context, he begins to write letters. And uh, two of the letters uh, that Tychicus carried are the, the book that you're holding in your hand now, the letter to the church at Ephesus, and also the letter to the church at Colossae. And I brought a map just to show you a little bit of scale because uh, Paul comes from Rome, he, or um, Tychicus comes from Rome, he carries the letter with him, uh, crosses the Aegean Sea, of course, and gets over to uh, Asia, uh, Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey, and makes his way down to Ephesus, all by foot, by the way, no Ubers, no anything like that. He's, he's going to Ephesus, he brings the letter there, then travels 110 miles to Colossae and brings that letter. Paul wrote the, the letter of, uh, to the church at Colossae and the church at Ephesus at the same time. And if you go and uh, take those two letters and read them back to back, you'll read a lot of, the common, a lot of common themes and a lot of common words because Paul wrote them at the same time from prison in Rome. And Tychicus is the one one that carries it. And the reason why I'm, 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 I'm bringing this up is because when a courier in the first century would carry a letter, again, there's no postal service, there's no any of that stuff, a courier was almost just as important as the letter itself. You would select a, a very trusted person uh, to, to carry the letter. It was dangerous to travel, so you needed to trust them and you needed to, to have faith in them. But also the courier would represent the letter and, and typically answer questions about the author. And so so uh, Tychicus was sort of Paul's stand-in to Ephesus and Colossae and other places to, to represent Paul and answer questions. And we, we read about that in verse 22. Again, how do we say goodbye? Well, the first thing is we make it about other people and not ourselves. Paul doesn't spend time talking about how sad he is and, and uh, reminiscing about you know, all the things that he's lost. He begins immediately to put the focus on someone else. The first, first person is Tychicus, and now he's going to put the focus on the, the church itself. And I want you to look at verse 22. After he blesses Tychicus, which by the way, Tychicus would have heard these words read about him because typically when a letter was received, uh, the whole church would gather together, the people of God, and it would be read aloud. Most people couldn't read on their own. And so it would be read aloud to them. They would, they would hear it. And so he was in the audience listening to Paul bless him, which is so cool. And that's really what a, a Christian goodbye is, is a blessing. And Paul blesses Tychicus. And now in verse 22, he says, I'm sending this man to you. He's a beloved brother. He's trusted. He's a faithful helper. And he's gonna tell you, look at verse 22. He's gonna tell you how I'm doing and how I'm getting along and how things are going here in Rome. And uh, I want him to, to do this so he can, in what? Look at verse 22. So he can encourage you. A, a Christian goodbye always has the focus on someone else. 
I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. And so I'm sending you Tychicus as my courier, as my representative, not just to deliver the letter to you and all these, this incredible content and encouragement in your faith of, of knowing what you believe and, and how to live it out. But I want him to answer your questions three different times. Look at verse 21 and 22 in Ephesians 6. Three different po- times Paul says in different ways, I want you to know how I'm doing I want you to know how I'm doing. And the reason why Paul said that is because he says, I don't want you to worry about me. I mean, basically what Paul says is, it's tough. God is good. And the gospel's going forth. It's really tough, but God's with me and the gospel marches on. And here's the deal, guys. The curtain will fall on every single one of our stories one day. This may be our last day. We're not promised tomorrow. The curtain will fall on all of our little stories, but it will never fall on the gospel. And so what Paul wants to do right away here at the very end, his final words to this church that he loved so much is to take the focus off of him and to bless other people and ultimately to bring it back to the gospel. Listen, guys, I'm fine. That's what he says. It's tough. I'm imprisoned. I'd rather not be here. I'd rather be with you. But pray for me. Look at the preceding verses. Go back and read them uh, this week. Pray for me because I'm in chains that I would be faithful to continue to be God's ambassador. Remember, Paul tells us that we are his ambassadors sent on his behalf with a mission empowered by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, today is Pentecost Sunday. So we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to be our comforter, our teacher, God himself indwelling us, empowering us. Go back to Ephesians chapter one. The Holy Spirit marks us for the day of redemption and is a first deposit on so many other gifts and blessings to come throughout eternity. And Paul says, I just, I want you to know this, that I'm okay and the gospel is going forth. I don't want you to be worried about me because you'll miss the blessings of what God has for you. And wouldn't you agree with me that worry robs us of so many blessings? And Paul says, there's so many things in this world to be worried about. Hey, listen, I don't know if we're in the end times. The apostles themselves in Acts chapter one, when Jesus promised the giving of the Holy Spirit at his ascension said, it's not for you to know the days or the times the Father has ordered. He keeps the royal uh, Rolex on his wrist. I don't know what kind of watch it is. He keeps the time on his wrist and it's not broken. The, The watch isn't broken. God holds time in his hands. But here's what I do believe is that we're in apocalyptic times. And what does apocalypse mean? We'll go back to John's apocalypse. What was John's apocalypse? Revelation. The word apocalypse means revelation. And I believe that we're in a time that is revealing the heart and the soul of the church. It's revealing uh, the heart and the soul of people. It's times that uh, John wrote about that said uh, that that people, their, their love would grow cold that people would be heartless. These are the times that we live in. Paul wrote that they are the times of evil, evil times that we live in. What does that mean? It's the time between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, the time of evil, evil days. And what's the call of the church in the time of evil? To preach the gospel, to remind every man, woman, and child that this is not all there is that the world is not operating as God intended it to, 
that sin has infected everything. And by our condition and by our choice, we've participated in an open rebellion against God. And it manifests its way and itself in a thousand different ways. And it's, it, it's important for us as a church to remember the time that we live in and also to remember the mission that God's given to us and also to remember that he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit himself to empower us towards that mission. And these words are just a, another reminder, as Paul says goodbye, to take the focus off of ourselves and put the focus on other people. And so he begins by talking about his, his beloved brother and faithful helper, Tychicus. And then he puts the focus on the whole church and says, I, I want to encourage you. I want you to know that I'm, I'm okay. And by the way, Tychicus would go on to become the pastor at Ephesus. Did you know that? So Tychicus relieved Timothy. Timothy was the pastor there. Remember, Timothy was, on, uh, was reached through Paul's first missionary journey in Lystra, and, and he begins to, to journey with Paul. So again, fruit of Paul's labor, disciples making disciples who will go and do what? Make disciples. And so we begin to see these spiritual children of Paul begin to rise up and lead the church. And Tychicus is one of them. He replaces Timothy there. And then he later on, by the way, he replaces uh, Titus on the island of Crete. So he became like this incredible designated hitter, this utility player for Paul, that whenever uh, he, uh, Paul needed someone to go and lead a church, that was the guy that did it. And what a great thing to be said of you that you're a beloved uh, uh, sister or brother in the family of God and that you're, you're faithful, that you're faithful to the work, to the mission of spreading the gospel. All right, where am I? All right, verse 23 and 24. Let's talk about that. So he begins his goodbye by saying, I wanna talk about uh, this faithful brother and helper in the work of, of the ministry, verse 21. Then he says, uh, he's a courier, so he's gonna answer all your questions uh, about how I'm doing and how I'm getting along. And, and that way he's gonna represent uh, me so he would encourage you. It's not about Paul. So he takes the folks off of himself. And then he goes into this incredible benediction. What is a benediction? Well, a benediction is a blessing. It's a word of grace and blessing. And, and actually, a Christian goodbye should be a benediction. It's, it's a blessing. And here's the deal. Everyone watch this. Because it's, it's reminding each of us what we will never say goodbye to. That when in this world that is full of goodbyes, that there are actually things eternal that we will never have to say goodbye to as followers of Jesus. And so for his final words, uh, Paul carefully chooses these uh, three pillars, if you will, of the Christian faith that he wants to remind the church of, uh, to encourage them and to continue to build their lives upon these truths. And so he blesses them with these words. And I, I wanna finish our teaching on Ephesians uh, by doing the same. And so uh, I, I wrote in my notes, this is how to say goodbye. It's a blessing. And here's the, here's the first blessing. Paul says, uh, peace be with you. Look at verse 23. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And, and actually, uh, when you, if you're taking notes on these, uh, these three pillars, if you will, these three blessings, this benediction of how to say goodbye, how Paul says goodbye to this, this church that he loves so much, 
There are actually three uh, pillars, there are three truths that Paul uses all throughout the letter. And so the way I want to teach it this morning quickly is to bring you back to some of the teachings that we've done throughout the series over the last five months. And so uh, the first word here, this first blessing is about peace. And I want to bring you to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, maybe just turn over there or just write this reference down, Ephesians 2, 11 through 14. And I'm just going to read it to you. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, really quick, let me stop. In the first half of the book, remember, Ephesians is broken down into two parts. I hope you'll never forget this. There's six chapters. The first three chapters are all about uh, your theological underpinning, if you will. What you believe, your doctrine, right? What you believe in your heart and in your mind, so important. And then the second half of the book, chapters four through six, is about how you live that out. It's not just about believing the right things. You gotta put it into practice. Uh, the Hebrew word for shema, uh, is to hear, was also the same word to do. So if you heard it and understood it, it was just implied that you would live it out. And so Paul holds both of those ends of the rope and says, you got to know what you believe and you got to live it out. So in the first half of the book, what you believe, chapters one through three, there's one imperative. What's an imperative? It's a mood of a verb. And there's three different moves and moods in the Greek, you know, Koine Greek, uh, uh, three different uh, verb moods. And one of them is the imperative form. And this is written, this is the only imperative in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And you go, Chris, why do we need to know this? Well, the reason why it's important is the imperative uh, uh, verb is all about commands. It's all about, hey, you've got to do this. You could even think about it in English like an exclamation mark. And this is the only imperative in the first three chapters. And here it is. Don't forget. That's it. Don't forget. So what do we learn uh, as Christians, as, as people who follow Jesus, for those of you who follow Jesus in here, just from these two words, don't forget. A big part of the Christian journey is not forgetting what you believe, right? We tend to remember the things we should forget and we forget the things we should remember. And Paul says, hey guys, don't forget, don't forget. And what shouldn't we forget? Okay, don't forget that you Gentiles, what's a Gentile? Gentile is a non-Jew. The the Ephesian church were mainly non-Jewish people. Remember, Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And this is the beautiful thing about uh, even what we celebrate today on Pentecost, that the gospel's for everybody, right? Pentecost was a reversal of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. The Tower of Babel was, let's make a great name for ourselves, and build a tower to heaven and keep the same language and stay together. Pentecost was all of you need to scatter and the giving of all different languages so everybody could hear the gospel in their native tongue. Did you know that the Quran can only be translated into one language? Arabic. From the beginning of the church, God said, no, I want everyone to hear it in their native tongue because it's for everyone. The gospel's for every man, woman, and child on the planet. And so he says, don't forget that you Gentiles, you used to be outsiders. You used to be on the outside looking in. Do you remember what it was like before you met Jesus? I I was on the outside looking in. It's like pressing your face against the glass, looking inside a warm house with a warm meal and all these people around the table and you're going, man, I wish I was sitting at that table, but I'm outside. And Paul says, remember, you used to be outsiders. You were called the uncircumcised heathens, all right? 
um, by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. Um, Kids, you can ask about that later on the the drive home. Even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded. You ever felt excluded before? You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. And, And just listen in right here. He says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. So many people are living in this dark, cold world without God and without hope. And that should focus us as a church. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus, Paul says. Once you were far away from God, remember what it was like to be far away from God? But now you've been brought near to him through what? Through your, through your good works, through your last name, through where you were born? No, through the blood of Christ. And here comes the word, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated all of us. Paul says, I want you to remember that you have peace with God. And this is the peace that he blesses the church with in this goodbye. I gotta hurry up here. Here's the second part of the goodbye. Love with faithfulness. Look at verse 23. Love with faithfulness. Paul wants to bless the church. He says goodbye with this incredible benediction of of love that is theirs with faithfulness, which is an interesting way to say it. And I wanna take you back to Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19, when Paul finishes the first half of the book, the first half of the letter, what you believe, with this incredible prayer. And a part of the prayer was this, "And, and may you have the power to understand I love how Paul plays off the word here, by the way. I want you to have the power to understand what's too great to understand. May you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. In other words, Paul is talking about the dimensions of God's love. Any kind of human or earthly love has constricted dimensions. It has a limit because we're limited. God's love is unlimited, You could never plumb the depths of God's love. C.S. Lewis said, God's love is shallow enough for a baby to play in and deep enough for an elephant to swim in. Paul says, I want you to just grasp how deep his love is. And I love this, look at verse 19. Just to remember, he says, may you experience the love of Christ. So it's one thing, right? It's one thing to, to know the dimensions and how high and wide and deep and long the love of Christ is, just, to, just to, to know that God's love is limitless. It's another thing, watch this, to experience it. It's one thing to say to a loved one, I love you, and that's wonderful. It's another thing to grab them in your arms and hug them and say, I love you. Paul says, I want you to feel the grasp, the hug of God that you would experience this love that's too great to understand. You'll never fully understand it. And then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of, listen to these words, life and power that comes from God. You don't need to raise your hand. How many of you want life and power from God? Life and power from God comes from experiencing the love of Christ. To know that no matter what happens, I don't know what tomorrow holds for each of us, but no matter what happens tomorrow, that you're loved completely, that you would experience the love of Christ. 
And that no matter what you face tomorrow or all throughout this week, that you can walk into it with confidence because you're loved. Even going back to verse 21, Paul says, Tychicus is a beloved brother. He's a loved one. And what a thing to be called a loved one of God. Here's the third blessing that Paul gives as a part of his goodbye. Grace be upon you. Look at verse 24. He says, grace be upon you eternally, all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. And I wanna take you back to Ephesians 2, verse eight, which may be one of the most important verses in all of the New Testament when it comes to salvation, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because everything in Judaism and religion gets turned on its head here. It's not about your works. It's not about your effort. It's not about gaining favor with God. Instead, Paul reminds them and he takes them in this blessing, this goodbye, back to this pillar of the faith that God saved you by his what? Say it loud, grace. This is the pillar of the Christian faith that we believe that we're saved by grace when we what? When we believe. The closest word here in the English language is trust. When we trust God and not ourselves. When we trust in what he's done for us and not what we could ever do. And Paul makes the, makes the point, he foot stomps this by saying, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. That's what grace is. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is what? Grace is getting what you did not deserve. So salvation is not just getting what you uh, deserved, separation from God. It's getting what you could never deserve on your own, becoming a son and daughter of the Most High King. Let's go back to that image of a, a face being pressed into a window, looking into a warm house, a warm table with warm people celebrating and having joy together and feeling like they're on the outside looking in. And Paul says, it's by grace that you're invited when you believe. And you can't take credit for the invitation. What gets you a seat at the table? It's a gift from God. And that gift is for each and every one of us. And when we come to the table of God today as, as we're going to as a church family, every time we come and we celebrate the Lord's table, it reminds us that Jesus has made a place for us at the table. That we don't have to press our nose against the glass anymore and feel like an outsider far from God. That you've been invited into the family of God. But it's not based on your works. It's not based on your efforts. It's not religiosity or morality. It's nothing that you could do. It's simply God's grace to you. So here's the bottom line today if you're taking notes. Jesus came. Here's the threefold blessing, this benediction, this goodbye. Jesus came to give us peace because of his love through his grace. Jesus came to give us shalom, wholeness, an invitation to the table. Because what? Because he loves us so much. For God so what? For God so loved you that he sent Jesus. And it's through his grace, this unmerited favor that you're invited to the table. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To Christ be the glory.